0: struck my heart this week in my study. So when you find your place, if you would stand in honor and reverence of God's word, 1 Peter chapter number 5, we'll begin in verse number 1, the Bible says, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Nor Not a filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. What a blessing that is. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That verse is a blessing right there. This is our text this morning, verse number 8. Be sober, be, be diligent, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Brother Sam, would you bless the message this morning? I've said it many times and I've said it here once before that I'm aware of, maybe more, but I believe it's worth saying again. Hell is as real as heaven is. Hell is as real as heaven and Satan exists just the same as our Savior. He's real. He's a real, (laughs) it's a real thing. It's not just a figure of our imagination. It's not just a figure of of mythology, it is a biblical truth that Satan exists and is walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Our minds today and our society today has made a joke out of the devil. I've been guilty of it. I'll make jokes about the devil. We all make jokes about the devil. Husbands and wives make jokes about the other being the devil sometimes. Maybe uh, you said to your husband, well, you can't multitask for nothing. He said, well, when you live with the devil, you got to focus all your attention on fighting the devil. We joke about those things, but he's real. He's real now. He doesn't have he has an eternal fate that he will be facing. You'll find in the scriptures, he has an eternal fate that he will be facing much different from that of God because God is the creator, Satan is the offender and he will be destroyed in the lake of fire. But he's real today. The thing that this this verse teaches here is that your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, a roaring lion. Peter is teaching and, and telling the, the, the Christians to remember that the adversary, our enemy, the devil, he's as a roaring lion. Now, the world. this word, it describes him as a roaring lion, but we rarely, rarely consider him this way because he has subtly made himself as a purring kitten. He has made himself as a purring kitten. I'm going to tell you what, there's a different experience when you face a kitten than when you face a lion, a full-grown lion. And I ain't ever done it except for a zoo, but I'm telling you what, you get close enough to those creatures, I don't care how much glass there is between you, you start thinking, I'm telling you what, in the right circumstance, that thing could, could do some damage to me. Oh, I'm big and tough? Well, you go ahead, buddy. You go ahead. I promise you that the lion is tougher than we are. A lion's tougher than we are. I read a story this week and uh, was considering a story about a a couple of lines I'll share in just a moment in Africa that over a nine-month period, it's believed that they killed between 35 and 135 people. Now, one's enough for me scare me to death. But we'll share that story in a moment. I was thinking again about my grandmother when she was a little girl running up at the foot of the mountain over in Sandy Mush. She ran to the bottom, of, were, her and her sisters were walking across the bottom of the mountain up there, our family's land, and perched atop a boulder was a mountain lion. Just little girls, five, six, seven years old. She's got a drawing in her house. She'd draw pictures of things that she'd remember, and there's a drawing in her house of these little girls wearing their bonnets and their dresses and a mountain lion sitting up on top of a, a rock. Imagine what five, six, seven-year-old girls could do to a mountain lion. And when you think about an encounter like that, it kind of leaves you afterwards kind of uneasy. You ever been around anything like that? There's a, a bobcat behind their house one night. That's one thing I wouldn't want to run up on. And any time I have, I've been a long ways away from it. I'm thankful for it. But our dog was out back, and the bobcat was screeching and howling and doing all the things a bobcat does. And I opened the door to let my dog in so that they didn't get into it, and he nearly run me over trying to get inside. Creatures, even creatures, know the sound of an animal that could harm them. My dog, he's, a, he's, a, he's kind of a prissy dog. We're trying to get him used to living in, on the farm, but he's a little prissy. But he knew not by nature, he knew that that sound was dangerous. That there was a creature out there better than he was. And he about run me over to get away from it. This story I read this week over in Africa. There were two lions there in the name by the name of the ghost and the darkness. And they were killed in 1898 by Colonel John Henry Patterson. During the nine month period that they were active, they hunted railway workers and uh, villagers and other other things. They were massive creatures. I've seen a picture of them. You can find them. They were called the, I think I'm saying this right, the Decevo Lions of Kenya. They killed between 35 and 135 people. What interested me about these lions is that, first, it struck fear into these people that lived in that area. It struck fear into their hearts, knowing that there were creatures out there that could kill them. It's one thing to face a man, but a beast is a whole other, that's a whole other thing. They're a lot more subtle, they're a lot smarter, they're a lot more tactical than a human being is. These people in these villages over in Kenya, they still talk about them today. Because of the damage that these lions had, had racked on their, their home and their, their land and their families and society, but as I was reading this story, I come to a point in here that the they were eventually they were preserved for about 30 years and a scientist got a hold of them and cut them open and did an autopsy on these lions and did some research to try and determine why what what was different about these creatures that they would attack people rather than hunting their normal prey. The findings described in a new study give this They had extreme tooth and jaw damage, which would have made it excruciating to hunt their usual large herbivore prey. This tooth and jaw damage was to blame for their hunting of men. For most lions, humans are typically far away from their first choice of prey. The big cats usually feed on large herbivores, such as zebras, wildebeest, and antelope, rather than viewing people as potential meals. Lions tend to go out of their way to avoid humans entirely. And that struck my heart when I read that because I thought there there had to have been something different about these creatures that would make them hunt humans. The damage to their very structure of their face is what was believed to cause the Reasoning behind it, because when you kill a big animal like that, you've got to crunch all these big heavy bones to get to the meat. So they began hunting weaker prey. What I'm here to tell you this morning is that our adversary, the roaring lion, the devil, he can't touch the Lord. God is, that's big prey. He can't do anything to harm him. There is something in there that is pressing down on the mind of Satan that tells him he can't hunt God. And what that is, is he knows he's defeated. He knows that he's destroyed. He knows that there's a day coming, he's going to be cast to the lake of fire. So what does he do? He hunts weaker prey. We think we're tough, but we're weaker prey. If we didn't have homes and guns and trucks and cars and everything else, we're, we're, we're not on the top of the food chain throughout history. These creatures, they're dangerous. But these creatures, they were pushed to the point they had to hunt humans. And I'm here to tell you this morning that The devil is no different. He knows his end is coming. He knows he can't defeat God. So he hunts the weaker prey because he has access to the weaker prey. Now consider first that roaring lion. And I think about the roaring lion. I think about the shepherd. I think about sheep as used all the time in scripture for examples and explanation. Sheep or helpless sheep are a certain target for a ravenous enemy. There's a couple of things about the relationship between the lion and the sheep that you'll find that really, I believe, can be used as great examples in this message this morning. The roaring lion, he's the, we sing the song, King of the Jungle. The King of the Jungle, we know God's the King of the universe, knows the King of you and me, but. On the earthly stance of things in the animal kingdom, the lion is the king of the jungle. They've survived many years and uh, they've truly uh, uh, held on strong in the areas that they're still in. And they are believed many years ago, even back during biblical times, to have a much larger scale that they lived on across the world. But the relationship between the lion and the sheep is, that's food. The way that you and I look at a cheeseburger or a steak, that's the, way, that's the way a lion looks at sheep. There's a couple things about the roaring lion and the sheep that we can bring up that I believe would be good examples for help this morning. Because like I said, the devil's real. You may be facing him. He was walking about this morning. He was over in Leicester. I know he was in Tuxedo. I know he was in Hendersonville. I know he's East Flat Rock. I know wherever you come from this morning, he was there. Because the Bible says... That the adversary, as a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. If you had to teach a Sunday school class this morning, if you had to open Sunday school this morning, if you have to preach this morning, even if you just just woke up, the devil wants you to doubt even coming to church. Ah, don't do that. You don't need to go. There's too much going on in your life. Stay home. He loves it. Isn't that the subtlety of Satan? Satan. God's telling us he's like a roaring lion, but he comes to us sometimes just soft and just puts little thoughts in our mind. Well, first, this roaring lion, we need to think of him as a roaring lion. We need to realize that he is extremely dangerous to us, and he smells the bleeding sheep. He smells the bleeding sheep. A great predator such as a lion, it uses all of its senses to track and hunt its prey when a sheep is cut open by running through the thorns of the world or if it breaks its skin upon the rocks of the mountains and the crags that it has to travel through, during the healing process, there's still blood present. Things in this world, they're going to cut you open. Things are going to stick you. Things are going to grab a hold of you. Things are going going to hurt you and harm you and put you down. And while you're healing that wound, man, the devil smells that wound. He knows it's there. That's what he's looking for. He doesn't, you find these predators, even though they're, they're great and they're powerful, many of them are lazy. They don't like to attack the strong. They don't like to attack those that are, that are healthy and can run away and get away. They prey on the weak. This roaring lion, he smells the bleeding sheep. Maybe you've had something in your life that's torn you open recently. Maybe you've been stuck by a thorn of the world. Maybe uh, uh, you're climbing up a mountain and a rock has got a hold of you and cut you open. Maybe you you fell down. Maybe you've tripped. Maybe maybe someone's attacked you and you've been left bleeding by the situations of the world. I'm here to tell you this morning we need to get serious about the devil because he smells the blood during your healing process. He wants to get a hold of you. You're healing and you're trying to get better and you're trying to, to nurture a wound, but he knows it's there. You know where where to go back to the rock. You see, here's the thing that we forget. The devil stalks on those that are part of a different flock. If I can find my note here, I want to read this. The lost are already part of his flock. Some without even realizing it and some that are reveling in it. But the saved have been taken from the wicked fold and salvation is the only ticket out of the devil's herd. The reality is is that He only prays on the saved because the lost are just naturally part of his flock. Now he wants to trick them. And and that word, the fold, being in the fold, being in the devil's fold means that he's hemmed them in. And he's, he's putting up barriers to keep them from getting out. But when you're born, you're born into sin. You're naturally a part of the flock of the devil. Those that he is seeking, he's walking about, he's seeking to devour, seeking to destroy. Those are God's children. Those are the wayward sheep. Those are the bleeding sheep. Not only does he smell the blood of a sheep, but he hears the bleeding. See, this is what happens when you talk country is bleeding and bleating. Let me say it proper. Bleating. The bleating sheep. As in the cry. My dad killed a rabbit one time just out of Just out of habit. I was in the 70s, everybody had a gun on them at all times. They had a shotgun, oldest a shotgun. Rabbit runs over the hill, somebody was hunting rabbits beside our property. Dad just draws down on him and shoots him. Dad said that thing just cried out and cried out and cried out. if you ever heard a dying rabbit? Man, They ain't much worse. I mean, it just, it's terrible. Man. That's a bleat, bleating sound. That is a cry for help. That's a cry for mama. That's a cry for daddy. The devil hears you when you've been bleeding and you're hurting and you're trying to heal and you're trying to get better. You start to cry out, Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need you to come to me. Lord, I need you to touch me. Lord, I need you to come back and and get back with me and get me back into your fold. The devil hears that because lions, they have keen hearing. He knows what it sounds like when you're in distress. I mean, that's a basic truth of the animal kingdom. The lion, he hears the bleeding. He smells the blood, and he comes to it, seeking whom he may devour. Am I getting somewhere this morning? I believe, I believe God said this word this morning. When we start crying out, Lord, help me. Lord, time and time again, you've proved yourself, and I need you to come back and touch me. I need you to bring me back into your fold. I need you to bring me back into your family. That's, the devil loves that. He's ravenous. That word ravenous is aggressive. He doesn't hear it and wait on it. He pounces. He attacks. He hears the bleeding of the sheep. Sheep bleat when they can't see, they can't hear, they can't smell the shepherd. So Christian, sometimes we're out and kind of on our own and we're bleeding and we're crying out and we're asking God to help us. We can't see him, we can't hear him, we don't feel him. That's when we start crying out, Lord, come to me. The devil's on his way, too. He would love to get us off track. Another thing about lions is this ravenous, roaring lion. He sees the sheep in the darkness. Anytime I've ever watched a documentary about lions and people that get really close to them over in Africa, these crazy cats get out in the middle of the night and they get in this plastic box sit basically sit in a crate out in the open for these lions to come. In. And if you notice, it's always in the dark. Lions hunt in the dark. In the study of lions throughout history it's been determined that these creatures have excellent night vision. They do most of their hunting in the dark and it makes much easier makes it much easier for them to catch and kill their prey. They're also known to hunt during storms and wind, as they have an even greater advantage during storms and wind. Isn't that when the devil comes? Man, these lions, he's he's smelling the blood. He's hearing the cries. Here comes the darkness. Here comes the cloud. I'd say about any time you're away from the flock and you're away from the shepherd, you don't have to wait long for a storm cloud because, man, it'll move right in. In a matter of moments, storm cloud moves in and the devil loves it. You know what? When those storms, when those storms start raging and the, and the rain starts coming down and the wind starts howling, those are the times when the devil can uh, make you think that our cries aren't being heard. Because in our minds we think, well, God can't hear me over the rain. God can't hear me over the wind. God can't feel me over uh, all these other circumstances. I'm bleeding, I'm hurting, I'm crying, I'm needing, I'm asking. And here I am in the darkness. The devil loves it. You know why? He's a product of the darkness. He can see in it. He's adapted to it. He's lived in it for all these years. He loves it. He hunts in it. And when the wind and the the rain starts, that's just even better. Because you know what an animal does when the wind and the rain starts. It starts shivering. It starts shaking. It starts losing faith that anything uh, good is going to come of the situation. These are just simple examples. But man, How true it is. The lion, he sees the sheep in the darkness. Because that's where he dwells. And the lion, he hates the sheep that are following the shepherd. This ravenous lion, the devil, he's not content with eating up just one of us. He's not content just getting one of us off track. See, if you're saved, you can't get back into his fold. You can't get back into his flock. But man, he can have you out and all over the place and climbing the mountains and climbing the hills and going through the valleys and wading in the rivers of the world he can have you all over the place and you know where you're there when where you are when you're there is you're not with the shepherd and he hates the sheep that are following the shepherd because those sheep that are following the shepherd when they start bleeding there he is when they start bleeding i'm telling you i can't i hope you understand when they start crying out lord i need your help He understands and he hears them. When the the storm starts uh, coming around and it starts getting dark and the wind starts howling, shepherd's right there. That's the point of the fold. Set up the fold, that means he's keeping them in. He's holding them in. And the Lord, he can only put into the fold those sheep that are close around when the storm comes raging. If you're out in left field, right field, center field, or out in the parking lot, wherever you're at, Man, you're lost. You're, you're lost. You're without him. You don't have him on. You don't have him there. You start crying for him, you're bleeding, you're hurting. That's a perfect time for the devil to swoop in. He hates the sheep following the shepherd. To the lion, the shepherd re- represents an obstacle. While lions are fast and they possess great power, they enjoy an easy meal. A Christian that prays, a Christian that studies, a Christian that ponders the things of God, a Christian that tries their best to live a righteous life, that's not an easy meal. That's not an easy meal. Last night, I didn't didn't eat supper last night when everybody else did, and I I told Shelby, I said, I'm going to cook me a grilled cheese. And I, I can smoke meat. I can boil some stuff. <laughs> but I make good coffee. But anyway, I'm going to make the grilled cheese. Got Shelby a griddle for Christmas. So I go, and I was like, you got this specific cheese that I like on a grilled cheese. Yeah, it's in the, fri- it's in the fridge. I get it out. It wasn't sliced. Well, I got a pocket knife. I can slice it. Get my knife out. Pocket knife, ain't, it's not going to work. Get the, get the kitchen knife out, and that doesn't work. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to cut it in strips. It's going to be the craziest grilled cheese you've ever seen in your life, but it's going to be good. Go out to the griddle, and it took me a while without these dull knives in the house. Couldn't cut the cheese. Finally get it together, throw it on the, uh, throw it in the plate, go outside, light the grill up. You leave the grill outside, critters get on it. Had to clean it. Finally get it warmed up and burn off whatever diseases was on it. Throw some butter on there. Throw some bread on there. Throw the cheese on there. Put my, you know, all know how to make a grilled cheese. Fast forward, I get sit down. I thought this was more trouble than it's worth. I hope these things are good. I started to eat it, and the outside of the cheese was was warm and gooey. The inside was cold. I was, I am no good at this. It was more trouble than it's worth. If you let the shepherd put obstacles in front of frying you. Lord, I'm going to study. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do everything I can to be as close to you as I can be. You are not an easy meal. The devil's got to cut. He's got to stab. He's got to think bad thoughts. And he's got to do this. And he's got to do that. And he's got to clean. He, if he has to work to devour you and draw you back into the world, he'll leave you alone. Preaching about grilled cheese this morning. Amen. If the devil has to work to get you off track. He ain't going to do it. Because that means you're following your shepherd. Follow him. Follow him. Lord I'm bleeding. He's right over there. Lord I'm crying out. I need your help. He's right over there. Lord it's getting dark. He's right over there. When we're following him. We're pleasing him. And also we're protecting ourselves. Now. The devil can't have the soul of a Christian, but he has ruined relationships, marriages, and children because he has access to those things. He may not be able to touch God, but man, there's some things in our life he can touch. The name Satan, it literally means adversary. His very existence permeates hatred for Christ. He is walking about looking for those He can get a hold of and pull back into the world. As we said, the lost are already part of his flock. He's just looking to get us away from the shepherd. Satan knows if he wants to entice us back into the world and the things of the world, he's got to get a hold of the most spiritual aspects of your life. First thing, the devil will attack. If you take notes, it's where we'd start. First thing the devil will attack, he'll attack your relationship with God. He knows that seeds of doubt and sin and anxiety in your mind and your life. Can harm your relationship with the shepherd. He knows it. Relationship is vital isn't it? Relationship is vital. I thank God. and I, I, don't, I thank God I'm not part of some of these groups and denominations and religions. That say that I don't have direct, ac- direct access to the father. I thank the Lord that he hears me right now. If I get in my prayer closet, he hears me. You don't have to go through me. You can pray to him yourself. You don't have to wait on Josh to get here. You don't have to wait on anybody else. You, can, you have direct access to the Father. What a blessing that is. The relationship of, of, with God is the first thing the devil's going to try to destroy in your life. Because if he can get you away from your relationship, that's the foundation of your very existence as a Christian. And he can crumble anything else that is good in your life. If he could just mess up the relationship. Relationship is important. We talk about it and we say amen and we like it and we smile. and they, Oh yes, relationship. I, I'm thankful i got a relationship. But I think of one story Adrian Rogers told. He, say, he was talking about relationships and he said every day for 365 days, a man wrote his girlfriend a letter. You know what happened? She married the mailman. I may have told that here before. She married the mailman. She saw the mailman every day. The reality is, is relationship. I'm thinking about you, Lord. I got you out there on my to-do list. I've got you on my schedule. I've got you out there. I'll I'll pray eventually. I'll I'll talk to you eventually. Relationship. One-on-one. Me and you, Lord. That's what makes a difference in your life. And that's what the devil wants to destroy. If you don't have a relationship, hey, he's starting off really good. If you're not talking to God, he don't have to fight that obstacle. You know what he's after? He's after your relationship, but your relationship to God gives him access to your marriage and to your kids. The enemy knows that one of God's greatest gifts to man is marriage. It pleases the Lord. And the fruit of a marriage, if God allows, is children. And if your relationship with God is easily tumbled or it doesn't exist to begin with, one-on-one, you can be saved and not have a relationship. There's married people that they don't have a relationship. If your relationship is null, man, you're welcoming him in to your marriage and access to your children. There's a few Christians that he loves, and I'll be done. I want to encourage you with this this morning, because, man, he is real, but I know the shepherd. Shepherd's real, too. Much easier to live in his flock. Much easier to follow him, even when it means I've got to put away the stuff Josh likes, the stuff Josh wants to hold on to. I can get that stuff out of the way. Man, I can enjoy being part of his flock. When we're kind of, and my thought here, that sheep, this sheep that we're talking about, that bleeding and crying and hurting, and in the dark. You're kind of at that point between the devil and his flock and the Lord and his flock. The devil, he loves the Christian that's waiting on the next step. If You're kind of waiting on, Lord, I'm waiting on where you're going to send me next. Lord, this fell apart or this, this fell through or this didn't happen. The devil loves that person. Because when you're in the will of God and God's showed you where you're going and you're on your way and he's opening a door, you know where you're headed. And when you know where you're headed, it's harder to get off track. But he loves that person that hasn't yet heard where they're headed. That person that, Lord, you've you've taken me out of this place and I'm away from these people and you've sent me here and you've taken me out of this group or you've taken me out of this church. God, I don't understand what you're trying to do. The devil loves that. That's a time where you're very likely to listen to some of his devices and some of the darts he'll throw at you. He loves the Christian that's waiting on what's next. And he loves the Christian that's walking down an unknown path. Man, aren't those times the hardest? I don't know what's around the next corner. I don't know what's upcoming. I don't know uh, uh, what's going to happen. And Lord, I'm bleeding and I'm hurting. I'm, I'm, I'm in pain and, and I'm in darkness. Many brands, especially old, old-fashioned brands or brands that have, have existed in the world, they, they use the, the moniker tried and true. That's their, their, their business statement or their, their motto, tried and true. When you're walking down the unknown path in life and you don't know, somebody you love's died, something's happened, family split up, Husband, life's estranged, kids are estranged, whatever. Those periods of time, you're walking down an unknown path. And it takes those paths to be able to be tried and true. But man, when you're walking on that path, man, the devil, he loves it. He loves it. Because it's unknown. Lord, I know you're going to handle it. Maybe we have faith that God's going to get us out of it. But you don't get well done without the fire. And during that fire and during that trial, the devil's going to do everything he can to trip you up. Finally, he loves the Christian that's weary from the work of God. Galatians 6, 9, it says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Service to God is the chief duty of a Christian. But when you stretch yourself to a point that you're so thin, you start experiencing burnout. The devil loves that. You may need to take a break. You may need to take a break. I appreciate the spirit of, I'm here, I'm going to do it. But man, you can harm yourself, you can harm your family, you can harm your kids, you can harm your relationship with God. If you get burned out of the things of God. Because if you're burned out, you get to a point you're not, good, you're not doing God any good. You're just burnt out and you stop enjoying coming to church and you stop enjoying serving and you stop enjoying teaching and you stop enjoying preaching and you stop doing whatever it is. If you hold the door for for somebody, you can get weary and well-doing and the devil loves it. Burnout Christians are not Christians that reach like they used to, that minister like they used to, that witness like they used to. Lord, restore me. In this time of being weary and well-doing. Because the devil, he smells the burnout. He knows it's there. Verse 9, it says, Whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. In order to survive, we must be vigilant. That's what they say say in verse 8. It says to be sober and to be vigilant. Have a clear mind and to be consistent. And we must submit. And remember, in the end of verse 9, it says that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. When you feel alone, there's others out there wayward and downtrodden and disheartened. There's others. Facing the same thing. That old line. He's after him too. As we get a song together. I believe in a moment of. This morning maybe. Tender opportunity to. In your life. Maybe you say. Pastor. I can't explain it. But I feel like the devil. Hunts me every moment. feel like that I'm hurting, I'm crying out, and I'm asking him to help me, asking the Lord to help me but the devil right on my heels I'm in darkness I'm in a storm and the devil laughs at me the devil mocks me would you come he wants to meet you here and restore you into his flock, into his fold, into his protection. He's had you the whole time. But man, I'd rather face the storms with a shepherd. I'd rather get cut and bruised and bleeding with the shepherd. I'd rather cry out knowing that he's right there and can hear me. And I've not run away into the wilderness to just wither away. I want to be as close to him as I can be. Come if you will, as they say.